Welcome to Paranormal Fables, the storytelling paranormal podcast where we take inspiration from ghost stories, urban legends and folklore to concoct our own campfire tales. Each episode we take inspiration from a certain topic and write these tales using that as a base. Once we've written these tales, we light a campfire, make ourselves comfortable on our log seats or camping chairs if we remember. With our drinks in hand, we pass our tales to the other to read. And so we come to the second of our goblin tales. Cameron will be narrating this tale this time. How are you feeling? I'm looking forward to it. I feel it'll be a slightly different spin on the goblin theme this time. Yes, I, I, I'm pretty sure this tale has a more laissez-faire kind of take. Laissez-faire. Laissez-faire. Uh, take on how a goblin is. Mm-hmm. I know that the other one had the quite Tolkien-esque mm-hmm. kind of um, description of a goblin. So it's sickly. It's It mainly lives underground in, yeah. in dark. A wretched it's... creature. Oh, yeah. And of it, vile thoughts and misdeeds. Exactly. Oh, it, it, it normally lives in groups. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this one, that last one was a solo one. Mm-hmm. Whereas this tale, I know that it's more of a uh, intelligent creature. Yes. It's more thought out. It specialises in... More interested in the, the nuts and bolts of of uh, the magical world. Indeed. Uh, and I'm looking forward to uh, reading this one out, narrating it. You've been teaching me a few things about how to narrate, because I do need... I am rusty at that. I, I'm not as good as you at narrating. Well, reasonably well. I, I don't have the voices. You have the voices. Right? <laughs> I, I'm more of a, uh, I'll talk at the microphone like this. I will have my head in the words going, Hello. The train is now arriving at <laughs> clean up on aisle four, please. <laughs> Whereas you're more, you'll put your voice into it. You'll, you'll, you'll get into character. Yeah. Which is, I think I need to do more of. I think I just kind of read things aloud how I would imagine things to be narrated when I'm reading a book. Uh, oh, so you, you do it yeah. internally. Yeah, it's it, and then it just kind of, just and then just spewing it. Spewing it into the microphone. Yeah. Well, I will take those notes on board while I'm narrating this tale. And if there's a couple characters, who knows, maybe I'll I'll jump in. Oh, I, I would happily have you jump in for a few characters here and there. And then hopefully it'll be the best experience for the listeners. Fantastic. So, without further ado, I will start to read out The Goblin Under the Mountain. The Goblin Under the Mountain Travelling the mud-turned path through the expanse of dense woodland, sunlight struggling to make its way through the canopy above, and the slight mist in the air revealed these rays of light, illuminating the woodland floor in parts as they battled against the shadows of the trees. The dark brown splintered bark of the trees was covered on one side by thick emerald green moss. The woodland floor was covered in brown leaves from past seasons and twigs and branches from above were scattered around. This was the environment in which our young villager found himself at the present moment as he explored ever further each day from his small village. This young explorer's name was Jack, dressed in his tattered linen clothes which were worn down from years of constant use. His brown trousers were ripped and patched, especially around the knees, and his cream-coloured shirt had stitch marks where it had been repaired around the elbows and shoulders. His leather boots were rough 
but hadn't yet succumbed to the ever further excursions into the woodland as he aimed to finally reach the mountain on the other side of the woodland. Jack trudged along, tired from his morning of walking, having not taken a break yet. It was all while he was looking at the ground with his head lowered as he tried to push through his exhaustion. Just for a little bit further, that Jack came across a large flourishing oak tree. The tree's branches stretched and twisted high into the sky above Jack, and no other trees grew close around it, producing a large circular space in which sunlight could easily reach the ground. Shrubs, green grass and meadow flowers grew around the tree, giving the space some welcome breathing room. The woodland could feel suffocating at times, but this caused Jack's head to rise and take in the extra breathing room. His chest expanded as he took a deep breath, breathing out with added relief. Well, this is a pleasant surprise, Jack said to himself as he placed his backpack and water jug next to the trunk of the tree. He found himself a nice cosy area in which to sit and relax, needing to regain some energy. With his back rested against the trunk of the tree, Jack just watched the woodland quietly, observing the animals as they scurried by and went about their daily activities. Squirrels collecting acorns off the ground and running back up distant trees to store them away, birds circling in the air while smaller birds occasionally fluttered past to rest on the branches nearby. After this birdsong would radiate through the woodland, a pleasant sound that would constantly change as more birds joined or left the orchestral song. It was during this moment of relaxation and daydreaming that Jack caught a glimpse of a creature through the trees. It was relatively small in structure compared to him, maybe coming up to his waist, and had a slightly dark and greyish complexion. It wore clothes, but from the distance and foliage between them, Jack couldn't make out what they were, only that it wore an ocean blue hat of some sort. The creature seemed to him to be searching for something within the thicket. The creature stretched out his arm and picked up something Jack couldn't make out from the ground. To Jack, this was one of the most peculiar things that he'd ever seen during all of his time exploring the woodland. I wonder what that is, he again spoke out loud to himself. It was at this moment he thought to himself that he should make his presence known and maybe talk to the creature. Good morning, my name's Jack. What might yours be? He introduced himself a little louder than normal so the creature could hear him. There was no response as the creature, lost in its own little world, continued searching between the rest of the trees. Jack tried again, even louder this time. Hello there, can I help you with what you're looking for? The creature's head popped up from where he was searching and turned towards Jack. Two made eye contact for a moment, and the creature suddenly stood upright and darted off further into the woodland, away from Jack, startled that anyone had seen it. Jack stood up and made his way over to where the creature had been, curious as to what it was looking for. When he made his way over to the thicket, he started to scan the ground, looking for anything out of the ordinary. It was while he was doing this that his eyes gazed upon a peculiar rock of some sort, no bigger than the palm of his hand. He reached down and grabbed it from where it had been resting between the two meadow flowers and brought it closer to his gaze so he could have a more detailed look. The rock didn't look too strange as he turned it over in his hands examining it closely. On one side of it there was a slight crack allowing him to peek inside slightly. Bringing the rock back with him into the sunlight he held it up to meet the rays. The inside of the rock seemed to sparkle as if the rays of light bounced around inside and twinkled back. What is this? He asked himself, I'll bring it back home with me and maybe someone in the village will know what it is, placing the rock into his backpack. After this and a few more moments of relaxing, Jack picked up his belongings and started to make his long trek back home, the sun starting its descent after passing its midday peak. Jack entered the village as the sun was just dipping below the horizon. 
That was a fun day exploring, he said to himself as he followed the path back to his home. As it came into view, he saw his mother outside banging the clothes on the washing line, the dust dispersing into the air around, creating a haze of white and grey particles with a slight orange tint from the evening sunlight around her. Mom, I'm back, Jack shouted to his mother from where he stood, pulling the arms of his backpack close to his chest and then starting to jog over towards her. Before he was able to hug her, his mother exclaimed, Where have you been all day? You better not have been out in the woods again. The stern look on her face made the point clear to him. Jack dropped his head down as he responded, I was just, but you won't believe what I... How many times do we have to tell you to stay out of the woods and help out around here? His mother interjected before he could finish speaking. But mum, you should have seen. No more of this gallivant and ah. We need you here and your father needs the help in the fields with the animals. But there was this small human-like creature. Jack's response brought silence. His mother looked at him with concern, her face turning pale. What creature? She asked with a slight hesitation, not wanting to know the answer. It was amazing. It was small and greyish looking and it wore a blue hat of some sort. The look on his mother's face turned even more pale, as if she'd seen a ghost. Inside. Now. She put her arm around his back and was forcefully pushing him through the front door of the home. Jack almost tripped over the front step as he hurried through the door and along the corridor into the kitchen at the back of the home. The kitchen was the main room of the small home with its primitive oven, which resided within an old fireplace and was heated by a wood fire that was nurtured almost 24 hours a day, seven days a week. The back door was the main entranceway between the kitchen and the outside world and was usually the door that was the most often used by the family. In the middle of the kitchen was a medium-sized wooden table and chairs in which the family usually all sat around when their evening meal was ready to be served and also in the morning before the hard work of the day was to take place. Sit down, his mother said as she pointed to one of the chairs around the table. Jack followed the command and sat down in a seat and waited for his next instruction. Now tell me, where did you see this creature? She questioned him, wanting more information before she was certain about what it had been. I I saw it deep in the woods, near the giant oak tree in the clearing, he responded. There was a look of concern on her face. And what was this creature doing? Again questioning, as if it was an interrogation. It was just searching on the ground for these, pulling out the rocks from his backpack. You took one? She responded in disbelief. Well, yeah, I walked over to where it had been before it disappeared, and when I looked on the ground, this rock was right at my feet. It just looks like an ordinary rock, apart from this. Jack rotated the rock to direct the slight crack and twinkling inside towards his mother. Do you see it twinkling in the line? He questioned, her eyes whining as she noticed the glints from inside the rock. Do you know what that creature was you saw today? She asked, looking at him with a straight face. No, I I don't think so. Well, from what you've told me, I believe you saw a goblin in the woods today. Normally, nasty little creatures, which cause harm and misery to anyone who gets on their bad side. So tomorrow, you're going back into those woods until you find that goblin and return the rock to it. We do not need any bad luck around here. His mother laid out the plan to him. Jack, just agreeing with his mother, slowly realising that he didn't know where the goblin disappeared to and how he was going to find it. Now off you go and get cleaned up for dinner. 
and get your pack ready for tomorrow. Jack, after hearing this, rose from his seat at the table and headed to his room to get cleaned up and to prepare for the days to come. The sun rose that morning with the orange tint as it did in the evening, but there were no clouds visible in the sky, and this unobstructed light entered through the plain glass window of Jack's bedroom and onto his closed eyelids. As he lay there, still sleeping as his body slowly started to move and stir from sleep. Ugh, it's morning already? Rubbing his eyes of sleep and opening them to the glare of the sun, causing him to rise upwards out of the harsh light. Lifting his arms above his head, he gave out a long and loud yawn. <sighs> Looking around his room, his gaze concentrated on the morning sunlight hitting the rock he had left on the side. The colour of the twinkling had changed from the golden colour the other day to a more bluish tone. That That's weird, but I guess nothing's normal with that rock, Jack mentioned as his mind was still waking up. He swung his legs over the edge of the bed, placing both his feet on the wooden floorboards, then pushed the rest of his body upwards so he was now standing ready for the day or days ahead. Well, might as well get an early start, Jack said as he got himself ready picked up his backpack off the floor and the rock off the side and headed downstairs for breakfast before he headed off into the woods to find this mysterious goblin. Pulling out the wooden chair and sitting down at the kitchen table, Jack yawned at the smell of the cooked bacon and sausage with eggs sizzling in the pan on top of the kitchen stove. His stomach rumbled as his mother placed a plate of these items in front of him. Picking up his knife and fork in each hand, he started to devour the food before him. Someone's hungry this morning, his mother playfully said to him. Well, I have a long day ahead of me if I'm to find the goblin, Jack replied, taking a break from his meal. That's true enough. Have you packed enough stuff as well as sleeping supplies? She asked with a slight concern, as any mother does before their child heads off on their own for any length of time. Yes, I'm sure I have. I checked it twice last night, sighing slightly, as if it had taken too much energy to answer. Well... If you've got all your stuff ready to go when you've finished your breakfast, you should probably hurry and set off if you're to reach the clearing with the oak tree, she stated, leaning down and embracing him in a tight but comforting hug, not wanting to let him go. Jack hugged his mother back, just as tight, if not more so, than her, and once they had both let go, he grabbed his backpack with all his supplies and equipment, as well as the rock, and exited the home from the front door, ready to start a new adventure in the woods. He set off from the home, looking back to see his mother waving to him, and he returned the wave, turning and continuing to the edge of the woods, ready to find the mysterious goblin. The trek through the woods to the clearing hadn't been an easy one. There had been a thick thicket covering the path, as well as a steep incline at one point, which plateaued out to an even grounded trail through the woods. He now found himself back in the same location he had been just the day before. It still filled him with a sense of calm and intrigue, as he did the day before, and placed his backpack in the same location next to the tree and took a seat next to it. The tree's trunk kept his back upright and his legs laid out horizontally pointing towards the area in which he saw the goblin creature. He sat there for a while listening, watching and resting, hoping the goblin would return so he could easily give the strange rock back. But as the day dragged on and there was no sign of the goblin, Jack concluded that he had to go in search of the goblin starting in the area just in front of him. Picking up his backpack from where it was placed, he swung it over his shoulder and made his way over, curious to see if there were any clues to the direction in which the goblin headed, as well as any other strange stones. 
Looking down towards the ground, his eyes transfixed, he zoned out from the world around him, the birds tweeting and the animals scurrying, his concentration unyielding. Nice, he said out loud as he picked up another rock, this one larger, with a larger crack, the colour inside more of an emerald green. He added this rock with the other in his bag and continued his search. Another rock caught his eye as he made his way over to it, this one smaller, more like a pebble, but with the same kind of crack in its side. Again, he added it to the others in his bag. He continued looking again, and he was about to give up when he found a footprint in the mud, the outline clear. This gave him a direction in which to head in search of the goblin. Travelling in the direction of the footprint, the sun started to dip in the sky. The orange sky which welcomed night was noticeable through the canopy above. Jack found a flat area surrounded by five trees in which to make camp for the night. Pulling from his backpack his sleeping mat and laying it on the ground, after his sleeping arrangements were complete, he started a search for kindling and other twigs and broken branches for fuel for the fire which would keep him warm and safe throughout the night. Bringing all the materials back to his camp, he sat down next to where the fire would be and used a knife from his belt to collect shavings from his dry kindling, creating a small pile of them. Next, he retrieved his flint and steel from his backpack and directed the sparks into the pile, causing a small ember to form. Nurturing this ember, it grew in size, causing smoke and tiny flames to appear adding more kindling to the fire and building it inside, the fire grew to a healthy size. The warmth of this was a welcome feeling as night had arrived and the temperature started to fall to a chill away from the fire. Jack's stomach rumbled after a lengthy day of trekking through the woods. Jack leaned over and opened his backpack collecting the food his mother had given him and opened the ration within. Laying down on his sleeping mat, he enjoyed the evening meal, replenishing his energy and filling his stomach his hunger dissipating with every bite. After finishing his meal, his belly full, he stopped up the wood on the fire to last into the night. Sleep started to take hold, and Jack placed his head on his backpack as a pillow and welcomed sleep after his long day. Morning arrived as any other day, and the sound of the birds waking and animals going about their daily routine stirred Jack from his slumber. Morning already? His raspy voice coarse, needing some water. He grabbed his water container and took a good swig, refreshing his mouth and throat. Better pack up and start moving. I've only got supplies for one more night. Jack rolled over, lifting himself off his mat, and started to pack away his sleeping mat into his bag. Awake now, he used his foot to move dirt over the fire, making sure it was out, and carried on in the same direction he had the day before. The day rolled on, and the scenery and landscape didn't change, apart from a slight increase in the gradient of the woodland floor the trees angling as he climbed and hiked onwards. Around midday, Jack was about to call an end to his excursion, but decided to carry on for a little longer. As he walked, his mind kept returning to his mother's words. You'll go back into that wood until you find that goblin and return the rock. His determination increased as he trudged onwards. It was then that Jack hit a wall, not a metaphorical wall, but a steep, unclimbable rock slope the trees unwilling to make even their home on its slope. What do I do now? He asked himself, unsure of the way forward. What if I follow the base of the slope? There must be a way around. Looking left and right, the way forward was unclear. But which way do I go? Jack stood there for a few minutes, trying to decide on the direction to take, where movement to his right caught his eye. What's that? He asked himself, continuing to look as if he was in thought not wanting to spook whatever it was. Moving his head to catch another glimpse, he saw the same grey skin and small stature 
from two days before. It's a goblin! Jack was ecstatic. His mission was over. Still not showing any signs that he had seen the goblin, Jack spoke out loud. Hmm, which way do I go? It's 50-50, so I'll, I'll choose right. Jack turned and brought his head up to look in that direction. And as he started to walk that way, he saw the goblin scurrying off in front of him. Unbeknownst to the goblin, Jack was following behind, just slightly out of sight, far enough behind not to be noticed, tracking the goblin's footprints embedded in the ground. Jack followed the goblin tracks for two hours along and around the slope. He looked upwards to the sky and realised he had reached the base of the mountain he had previously been aiming for on his past explorations. Towering high above him, the top masked by clouds. Today had been one of his best days and he felt a great sense of achievement for this alone. It was while he was distracted by these feelings that he noticed the tracks he was following had stopped. The last footprints pointed towards the base of a rock cliff. There's no way the goblin climbed that. Not even I could without ropes. Jack was stumped. Where had it gone? It hadn't gone into the woods. The footprints didn't lead there. And they would have been easily seen due to the soft soil ground. Thinking for a little bit, Jack decided to take a closer look at the rock cliff, examining it more closely. Maybe there's a way through or an entrance into it? He questioned. He scanned the base of the cliff and noticed a small hole in the natural rock wall. What's that? Jack made his way over to it to examine it more closely. It looked like a natural crack in the rock, which, if he tried, he could squeeze through, and it looked to go quite deep into the mountain. Well, there's only one way to find out. With this, Jack took off his backpack and held it in front of him as he squeezed his way into the crack edging his way further and further through the crack, the walls tight on his chest, no signs of release any time soon. How, f how far does it go? He questioned. As his progress became slower and slower, he came to a point where he had to crouch down, the top part of the crack between two constricting to his upper body. Moving forward a little bit further, the crack opened up into a tunnel. Surprisingly, it was lit by green glowing flame torches. When Jack went to see if they gave off any heat, he was met with a pleasantly warm feeling. This is so weird. How does it even work? Placing his hand in and out of the flame. Having pondered this, he realised he should keep moving and walked on through the well-lit tunnel. The tunnel led to a large cavern, which was lit with the same green glowing torches. Near the roof of the cavern, there was a large orb which radiated the same green glowing light, but brighter allowing the whole cavern to be illuminated in light. What is this place? Jack questioned, having seen things he had never seen before. What are you doing, child? Came a voice which echoed off the sides of the rock walls. Who's there? Jack replied to the empty place. This was my home and my wealth. Came the voice again answering his question. Jack was looking around now for the source of the voice, moving into the middle of the cavern to have a better look around the room. What do you make here in this workshop? He asked and waited for the response, hoping it would help him locate the source of the voice. All kinds of small things, large things, things your small human mind couldn't even begin to comprehend. The voice replied, echoing once again from the walls. A moment of silence filled the cavern. I'm... Sorry for intruding and disrupting your work, but 
I came to return these to you. I, I collected a few more on my way to find you. Jack removed his bag pack and placed it on the floor, opening the bag and removing the stones from within. You brought me more, the voice now excited. You didn't come to hunt me or steal my invention? Questioned the creature. No, I merely came to return what's yours. Well then, uh, place them on the workstation, if you would. With that, Jack collected up the rocks and moved over to the workstation, placing them down on the worktop. Looking at the other items left on top, there was a leather-bound book with strange runic glyphs etched into its cover, a large blacksmith's hammer, its handle worn by many years of heavy use. In the top corner of the table, with its twinkling cracks, were two of the same kind of rocks Jack had just placed on the tabletop. What are these rocks, if you don't mind me asking? Jack questioned as he stepped away from the workbench. And those rocks, as you call them, are more valuable to me than they are to you. They allow me to create all kinds of magical inventions, such as that orb above our head. What is that orb, exactly? Curious you are, child. It stores magical energy that I can use to power my inventions. As a side effect, it produces light, which I use to illuminate this place. Will you show yourself to me so we can talk face to face? I have many questions, and you can see I mean you no harm. Jack asked inquisitively, wanting to meet this master inventor and get answers to the many questions he had about the objects he could see but didn't understand. You have been nothing but polite since you entered here, and you brought extra gifts, even though you did not need to. So, to answer your question, I will allow you to meet me face to face. With that, a small greyish figure with a blacksmith's apron and blue hat emerged from a darkened corner of the room. So, Jack, uh, what do you say? Asked the goblin. It's nice to finally meet you in the flesh. What do I call you? Jack asked politely to the goblin. My name is Tanvir, and I am a goblin, a master inventor of magical items and unequaled blacksmith. I have lived more lifetimes than I can care to number and have explored this world to the highest peaks and the deepest depths to discover minerals and ore which produce profited in my inventions unmatched by any other. Tanvir stated, not of a proud tone, but with one that was still searching for something, but he did not know what. Well, it was nice to meet you, Tanvir. My name is Jack. I come from the village of Wilderbrook, a day and a half hike from here, through the woods. I like to explore these wild areas, and looking for you allowed me to achieve one of the goals I am reaching. You know, the one I have of reaching the mountain I have gazed upon from afar for years. So, thank you for that. They both looked at each other with mutual respect. So, Tanvir, is there anything you could show me to cure my curiosity? Asked Jack with a slightly pleading look, not wanting to leave this magical place full of possibilities just yet. Tanvir looked at Jack and smiled. I can show you a few things, but you must promise not to touch anything unless I say it is okay. Some of my inventions can be dangerous if not handled correctly.
Jack eagerly agreed to Tanvir's terms, excited to see what this master inventor had in store for him. Tanvir led Jack into a corner of the cavern where there was a large metal contraption that looked like a cross between a furnace and a telescope. This is my latest creation, Tanvir said, gesturing towards the device. It is a magical telescope that can see far beyond what your eyes can see. With it, you can see other worlds and even into the future. Jack was amazed by the telescope and eagerly looked through it. As he peered into the lens, he saw a swirling vortex of colours and lights, unlike anything he had ever seen before. Tanvir explained that what he was seeing was a glimpse into another dimension, a place where time and space work differently than in our world. As Jack continued to peer through the telescope, Tanvir showed him other inventions, including a flying broomstick, a potion that could turn anything invisible, and a set of enchanted tools that could build anything he could ever imagine. For hours, Jack explored Tanvir's workshop, amazed by the wonders he saw. As the day drew to a close, Tanvir invited Jack to stay the night, offering him a warm meal and a place to sleep. Jack eagerly accepted, grateful for the opportunity to spend more time in this magical place. As he drifted off to sleep that night, Jack couldn't help but think about all the possibilities that Tanvir's inventions could bring. He knew that he would never forget this incredible experience and would always be grateful for the chance to meet the master inventor, Tanvir, and exploring his workshop of wonders. Tanvir smiled at Jack's eagerness to learn and explore. I see the spark of curiosity, Jack. Perhaps you can be my apprentice and learn the ways of inventing and crafting magical items, Tanvir suggested. Jack's eyes lit up with excitement. Yes, please. I would love to learn from you, he replied eagerly. And so Jack stayed in the cavern with Tanvir, learning everything he could about inventing and crafting magical items. He spent years honing his skill and exploring the vast depths of the cavern, discovering new materials and unlocking new secrets and magic. Ten years passed before Jack felt he had learned all he could from Tanvir. He said his goodbyes and returned to the village of Wilderbrook, where he reunited with his family and friends. They were all amazed at the wondrous inventions he had crafted and the knowledge he had gained. But Jack's thirst for adventure was not yet quenched. He knew there was still so much of the world left to explore and discover. And so, he set off on a new adventure, eager to see what secrets the rest of the world held. Years passed, and Jack became a master inventor himself, travelling far and wide and crafting all manner of magical items. But he never forgot the lessons he had learned from Tanvir, and the magical cavern that had sparked his curiosity and set him on the path to becoming an inventor. And so, Jack's legacy lived on, as he passed down his knowledge to new apprentices and continued to explore the world, always searching for new wonders and secrets to uncover. The end. So Max, how was that story for you? Well, I believe it had a, a more classical structure than the, uh, the Scraggle story, you know. We had the elucidation of a mystery, an inquiry into that mystery, a bit of adventure leading to development of Jack, and uh, it then leads to a... Uh, I feel like we're on a, an episode of, like, QI right now. It's a very intellectual conversation. Now, the real question is, which one of us is Stephen Fry, and which one is Alan Davies? I'll probably be Alan Davies, because I probably have the limited 
brain brain capacity. Mm-hmm. Oh, and you, you and now that his buzzer goes. <laughs> so yes, how was that for you? You said it like the intellectual stuff. Yes. So um, uh, dropping the voice. Um, yeah, I think we. I, I just kept it to a, a kind of classic style. Just didn't want to make it too long because I'm I'm not as experienced with writing stories. It had that very Tolkien-esque, like, you know, the plot point. Mm-hmm. You have an item that progresses the story along. Yes. So, in this case, we had a, a glowing rock instead of three. Um, and so, yeah. That got that got Jack from yes. uh, his village to where uh, Tanvir. To Tanvir's workshop. And then and then it progressed from there, which is great. I, I liked it. It was, it was, it was, it was a nice... Wholesome yeah. kind of story at the end. Yeah. It wasn't like the not every story has to be no. super complicated to be a good story. To be honest, simplicity is key. Yeah, um, you can delve into it like I did, but that's only mm. because I thought that the story was going in that direction anyway. Yeah, it, it, it it's just when it's called for, really. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I enjoyed that story quite a bit. It's a cla- it's kind of like a, it's a good campfire tale. It's short. It's sweet. And it is it's nice to it's nice to read, but yeah, that'll be that is the episode finished. Mm-hmm. All right, that is Goblins Part Two, uh, Goblin Under the Mountain, indeed. Uh, and um, so, don't forget to rate the podcast. This helps us uh, massively to reach more listeners. If you can please share to help promote the show, that would be incredible. That'd be absolutely fantastic. If you have any topics you'd like us to, to write about in the future. Please email us at paranormalfables at outlook.com. Um, I think that's all in lowercase. Uh, yes, yeah. That's correct. Um, but yeah, anything you can do to share or or comment at all, um, it really encourages us to uh, continue writing for you and making more tales for the future. I think what we got coming up next, so... We do have Krampus. Yes. In the works. Next time, yes. Yeah. Uh, Hopefully we can get this out before Christmas, but it is. Yes. We're getting very close. We are eight days. We might manage to get one, one, one of them, depending on if it's uh, we this one, one or Krampus on there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if not, Krampus will be just after Christmas. Yes. Yeah. Just you, you know, you can imagine it still before Christmas. You know, just just use a lingering bit of your Christmas spirit. I think most people will be fed up with Christmas by then. So maybe Krampus is good. <laughs> the evil son but the bar oh, yeah. people uh, and then after that I think uh, we might be doing uh, centaurs ooh centaurs yes yeah, so. I like the horsey <laughs> we won't uh, we won't go further into that we'll uh, we'll uh, we'll finish it there I think yeah so <laughs> anyway. don't forget to uh, like and rate and uh, we will see you in the next one thank you all for listening goodbye goodbye <laughs>